so all the stuff that I watched Al do, I'm doing. All the stuff that I watched Cynthia Hawkins do, I'm doing. Because I just got around these great people for the purpose of getting getting around them and getting away from employees. And and it became a part of me. Talk to them. Talk to them. Tweet talk episode 72. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air? What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Derek Jeter. Last time we had a number two, we called it episode Kawhi Leonard. We can't do that again. So we're going to call this one episode. Derek Jeter, in honor of the World Series and the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are going to be winning the World Series. They came back from three to one down to beat the Braves. And I feel like this is our year. We've made it to the World Series three times in like the last four years. This is the Dodgers year to get it. It's L.A.'s time, huh? I think so. I think so, man. All right, man. Well, this is Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Raphael and Charles. That is us. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles, aka Todd Millionaire, aka Todd Billy, at on Twitter at Todd Billion. And this is a show where we dissect tweets and talk about black wealth and nothing but. <laughs> and maybe a little LeBron James, <laughs> but mostly black wealth. So, Charles, do you have any uh, updates on Todd Capital? Um. Well. We just got our second office, so we are expanding. We officially got the keys today, um, so we're going to be ordering some cool Nipsey Hustle artwork and some cool uh, motivational and wealth-oriented artwork for that. Mm-hmm. I already put a, a computer over there. might put a new computer over there, and, you know, just looking to expand all this stuff and, and maybe bring in a full-time employee, uh, bring them in, have them just marketing for new deals and for vending machine locations. Because I think that I want my vending machine location strategy to kind of change and mm-hmm. that as opposed to buying somebody else's business, I'd rather just buy the machine and then invest in placing new machines. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a deal and the deal doesn't make sense. She's charging us for the equipment and then she's also trying to charge us for the actual business and the numbers don't make sense to me and it didn't make sense at the number that she was asking and they don't make sense now. So maybe she doesn't know how to value a vending machine route. And so this experience has just taught me like, uh, I think I'm going to skip them. We already have six of machines sitting in storage and I'd rather just acquire good machines and focus on placing those as opposed to buying somebody else's route, because then likely you're going to get older machines, older machines have older problems, older machines aren't as efficient. They can't take card readers, all that stuff. You ultimately end up having to replace all the machines anyway. So, you know, just this plot and we finally got our close date on the house. And so they gave us the date that we can uh, close escrow. Things have been ramping up. Lenders asking for the final docs. And so when we close escrow, I walk out the door and I walk out of the door, out of the job, right into Tide Capital. So that's my focus. And and yeah, that that's before before we uh, go too far. I, I always mention this about how when I was able to give my time to Tide Capital, Tide Capital blew up. But I leave out one very important part and one very important part. It's during the time that I took off of work, I didn't get paid. And so on one hand, I had the time, but I also had that fire underneath me that's like, hey, every second that I'm not hustling towards my business, I'm not eating. I'm not earning any money. And that sense of urgency will actually, I think, help you capitalize on a lot of the dead time that we let pass when we work a job. In the book, 50 is Law, he talks about how when you work for other people, there's dead time to let that you let go past because you're going to get paid either way. You're getting paid just by existing and just sitting there. And so the problem is you're not maximizing your value with that time. So just getting your little $30, $40 an hour 
you could have made a thousand dollars an hour, but you were just okay just sitting there being mindless when you could have been promoting, advertising, learning, researching, creating, figuring out different ways to get to that thousand dollar hour. So Tag Capital, we're getting ready to blow up. We have the ability to just hire and my only issue with hiring is they got to start bringing some revenue. So many people, they they want to work for you, but it seems like they just, it's like Eric Thomas says, he's like, you don't want to work for me. You want, what did he say? He's like, you don't want to work for me. You want some money from me. And so like a lot of people, like they're not bringing me value. They're just looking to extract value from me. And when people do add value, they want to keep that value. So they're like, hey, this is my real estate deal. This is my business deal. And oh yeah, if you want me to come over here and process some stuff for you, that's cool. No, I need you to bring in some paper. Bring in, People are selfish, man. They, I've seen people slide in my DMs are like, hey man, I know like four people who want the course. Is there some way I can get paid for that? Like that's some jacked up shit. You think the world is only four people big? Why don't you bring me some people just for the sake of me being me? <laughs> so you got to understand how people are. A lot of people are selfish and they don't get it. So just because I get it doesn't mean that they get it, but we're learning how to manage people. And I need people to bring me some paper because I just, I didn't blow up just to have people like mooching off of me. Everybody's like, oh man, Charles got the money now. Let's go do some stuff. For-. No, bring me some motherfucking money. Bring me some sales. Bring me some customers. Come on, man. Sheesh. Bring me the money. Man, I, don't, I just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense, man. I apologize for going in. Is it time for black billionaire banter? We could jump in this because I, you know, I'm over here trying to figure out how Oprah, how Oprah, Oprah Winfrey got so rich. Um, So I think we can kind of process this together and be like a little black billionaire case study, unless you had somebody different. But the person I want to talk about was Oprah. I had Um, had somebody different, but since you already said her name, I mean, yeah. So I, I would say that one of the things that I think took Oprah from just being a regular like talk show host to being a, a, a billionaire status individual and she chose herself. I want to say that she actually was presented an opportunity to work for somebody and she chose to instead build her own and work for the Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, and then she was just getting paid a bunch of money to be a talk show host. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, she's a billionaire in the sense that like Tiger Woods is a billionaire, not because they um, own a bunch of stuff, but they just are very, very highly paid. So mm-hmm. unless I'm mistaken, so I'm looking, I'm like, I don't see her really owning anything. I mean, Actually, of course, it's the stuff that she's created, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Oprah Winfrey Network. But that was after she was a billionaire. I mean, from what I've heard, she has a lot of real estate, though. Yeah. What I was what I saw in an article was she was she was earning like two hundred and fifty million a year as a talk show host. So that's impressive. That's a nice chunk of change. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take too long to become a billionaire making that much money. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, uh, like you said, she started owning, but one principle is she she did take her fast money and turn it into slow money. Yeah. Like you said, and she also, mm-hmm. also, she built up her brand through content and by interviewing powerful people. And so that's that is a way to kind of build clout is just being associated with clout. So you bring Will Smith on your, that's Earn Your Leisure has been able to grow a following with very few episodes because all they focused on getting was the best of the best. And that makes a difference. Yeah, she does get, she does get the big names. The the, cool thing that I like about Oprah is she has her magazine and she's on the cover of every every, art. Yeah, (laughs) every, yeah, I was going to say that too. She's on the cover of every issue. That's dope. That's just, it's just, it's like. Who the fuck else am I going to promote but myself? I'm going to put myself out there on my publication, and that's how we're going to rock this. I mean, first she put in the work to make herself hot, though, but still, like, and that magazine is a monthly commercial for her. It's like, it's a monthly profile. It, it keeps her front and center, top of mind. You're going to see my face every month yeah. on that newsstand. You're going to be reminding so, me how much you like me. Essentially, she made her money by um, personality. being a very well-paid individual. Not necessarily because she owns stuff, but I know that she was selling a lot of things through her show. So I'm sure the viewership mattered. I'm sure the ad revenue mattered. I know that she was um, like she had this Oprah's favorite things and all these like I'm sure she was selling some stuff through her platform. So she was probably getting paid for the products that she promoted, not just for her presence. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about I would say she really, really got rich off 
two things, personality and leverage. I said most people, when they talk about leverage and getting rich, they talk about using credit, credit cards, loans, stuff like that. But she just leveraged her popularity. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and she just kept pushing. I, I think her story is inspirational. When I, Whenever I look at a billionaire and anybody who's listening to this should, I hope, do the same, is you're looking at things they did that got them on that path that you can do. This isn't hero worship time. This is how they did it so that you can do it time. And so one of the things that um, I want to say that she had to, to oh man, what else was I going to say? I know something, there's like something early in her career where she, or they said that she wasn't good enough. They're like, oh, well, you aren't good enough to be a news anchor. You aren't good enough to do this or whatever. And she said, I don't really care about what your opinion is of me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get it in. And so a lot of us are great. A lot of us have the potential to do amazing things. And you got to reject anybody who tells you that you aren't capable or worthy, even if that, even if that person is me. I wouldn't tell you that because that's not what I'm about. But there are going to be people out there who pop up and who are like, well, they're going to be critics. They're going to be naysayers. Stick it to those critics and naysayers. They ain't the end all be all of what's possible. You are the end all be all of what's possible. And if you choose yourself, then you can be a billionaire too. Yep, yep, yep. Choose yourself. Which is a pretty good like book. Like Billionaire Banter, sponsored by Views at Top Capital. Is it? Yes, sir. <laughs> like Billionaire Banter, sponsored by Views at Top Capital. Can we talk about some stocks? You can talk about whatever you want to, brother. I think it's important, and then we'll go into your definition, and then we'll get into the show. But um, so first and foremost, uh, Netflix missed earnings today, which was pretty substantial. Um, they're kind of citing the competition, which is something we talk about here on the show all the time. Competition kills. Your business, when you have a monopoly, you can run up a bag. And so there's there's all the like, honestly, I love Disney Plus. Like Disney Plus is lit. Uh, there's Hulu. There's Amazon Prime. They have so many competitors. So that monopoly that they had for so long is now kind of being dimmed. And so they missed expectations substantially. And as a result, the stock fell about 5%, which for a company of that magnitude is about $25 per share. But it's something I talk about all the time. When when you have a like the book zero to one, you don't want competition. You want a monopoly. And so when there's competition, we all lose because what's going to happen is Netflix is going to ramp up. And so the small guy doesn't care because any dollar for them is a, is a win. The big guy, he's like, damn, I was making a billion a year. Now I'm making uh, 500 million a year. Like that sucks. But the little guy's like, I was making nothing. Now I make 100 million a year. This is great. And so it's just interesting to see it play out on the grand stage, not just when I'm saying it on tweet talks, because everything I say, everything Millie says, Millie probably do. And it's probably true. You know, have you heard Jay-Z say that? So uh, Snapchat is is winning. They they beat earnings. And once the stock popped about 18 percent after hours, which is pretty substantial. The stock was trading at about thirty dollars per share. And so up 18, which is approximately 20 percent. It's about six bucks. I mean, that's pretty good if you bought some options. And some of my my followers, they did. We discussed these things ongoing. Everybody in our community kind of has their own particular lane. I just stay in my earnings lane. Some people do supply and demand. Some people do call outs, all this fancy stuff. I just stay in my lane. I do what I do. I'm not trying to be all things to options community. I'm just trying to make sure that in my space, I dominate it. So they're actually turning a profit. Now, the thing that's interesting about these IPOs is a lot of times IPOs are inflated because they want to get their initial shareholders the, the exit that they deserve and they feel like they deserve. And then what happens is they sell off all their shares, the stock plummets, and that's what Snapchat did. Snapchat debuted, it tanked. People thought it was done for, and now it's running back up. Uh, Webull actually gave me a share of, of Snapchat. That shit's up like 150%, which isn't much because they gave it, it's like a little free share. So it's like $7 turned into $15. But if I would have put like real money, that'd have been crazy, man. So Snapchat is definitely killing it, despite the fact that they're getting killed by Instagram and Facebook, which is a monopoly, which are looking to break up. So um, overall, the market is kind of whipsaw right now. We're seeing stocks trading high and then trading low. It's all contingent upon this stimulus bill, which I don't think is going to happen until after the election. So I think people should just give it up. We got about two weeks until this election from the day. So like November 2nd, I think November 3rd, one of those, you probably know Raphael. Say that again? Uh, yeah. The election's coming up November 3rd. Yeah. So November so. 3rd is the election. And I don't really, 
expect any stimulus. And so I see the news and like this morning was like, the stocks are up on stimulus talks. And then it closes like, oh, well, stimulus talks, blah, blah, blah. They're not, they broke down. I think it's all nonsense. I think that the the Democrats are using this as a sword to kind of uh, attack Donald Trump. I actually read something that they're kind of incentivized, incentivized to keep it looking like a shit show. They don't want to resolve this issue. They want it to look like it's it's not working. He's incompetent. The economy is crumbling. So it's like they have two things. They can cause the economy to crumble. And then they can point at Donald Trump and say, look, the economy is crumbling because of Trump. When the, the two aren't the same, they're not true. They're actually causing it. They're like throwing rocks and hiding their hands. So I, I personally am kind of afraid right now. I've considered taking my money and putting it all in cash and just saying, hey, we're just going to wait two weeks. And I'll see y'all in three weeks when we have more certainty, uh, because I mean, a 20% correction on what I have invested is huge. So it's like, I kind of would rather protect that than put it at risk. Cause it's like, I'd rather protect against losing 20% at this point than, than making the 20% if we do see a run up. I don't really need that extra 20%, but if I lost it, that would hurt. And that is the Thai Capital Stock Market or the Stock Market Update sponsored by the Thai Capital Options Community. Huge, huge. As you said, going to give you a little definition, a little financial definition really quick. And today's definition, a little one here. What is a syndicate? Now, Google says a syndicate is a group of individuals or organizations combined to promote some common interests. Now, you may see things online about a real estate syndicate. I mean, this is a word that people need to know. That's what we need to be doing. Combining to promote our interests. That's it. It's not mind blowing this week. Simple. We need to combine to promote our interests. Mm. That's how Todd Capital was started. All right. Straight facts. Straight facts. Combine the money to buy stocks. And then from there, it was combine the money to buy real estate. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. And now I finance deals on my own, straight out the pocket. Straight out the pocket. But I couldn't even do that if I didn't have the years of experience of working with other people. And so I tell people how you start isn't how you have to stay. But if you never get started, you can't even get to where I'm at now. So now I got multiple contractors. Now I got multiple properties in inventory that we're about to start working on. Yeah, there's still partnership interest in those. And I love my partners, but people out here, you know, they got to, they're doing what they're doing to, pr- to, to promote their interest. And I got to do what I got to do to promote my own interest. But that experience is invaluable. And also that time is going to pass anyway. So it's like, would you rather that that time pass and you're inside of a deal? Or would you rather um, that time pass and you're just thinking about getting into a deal? Um, I mean, we just got the email update from Chris about the updates that he has on the project that we invested in. Right. And that was cool. Just seeing how that works, seeing how he sends the updates, he sends the pictures. I'm sure he I mean, people have learned from Jay Morrison and Tulsa Real Estate Fund. It's not comfortable to be first, especially because then people get to float on what you did and avoid your mistakes and look like they did it flawlessly. Right. And like, but, they're smarter. Yeah, like they're smarter. But it is what it is. It's the penalty of leadership. And they also raise more money than most people because they're first. So syndications are great. I recommend if you have not been able to get started, find a partner. Find a partner. Make some progress. I'd rather, make, I'd rather you make progress with the partner then just sit around wondering what is what could be. You'll never know. You'll never know. Learn to be a landlord. Learn to, to manage rehab. Learn to get permits. Learn to get updates and how you want to get updates. All that stuff is invaluable wealth experience. And you get that experience for the low. And you have at least one partner. You're not coming out of your pocket with 100% of the funds. Facts only. You know, and it's like, I think this might have been the last episode when you said this, like, Better for you to get like an eighth of a deal. They have no deal. And too many, yep. too many of us just want to have our own deal and be the big boss. Like, you got to get in when you fit in. Get in. Get something, man. Yeah. It, it reminds me of a post that Sam put out there, and it's something I've subscribed to. And it talks about how your first property isn't even about the rental income. It's a mind shift. A lot of us don't come from families that own property, manage tenants. It just doesn't exist, especially at the scale that a lot of us are doing it. We got, we'll have five doors kicking, five people paying us rent, and then we'll soon have 10 doors going, 10 people paying us rent. I don't know anybody in my family that does it on that level mm-hmm. ever. I'm the first, Raphael. And what it started with one property. Once you get that one property, 
you demystify real estate. And you're like, that's it. That's mm. it's, that's pretty pretty straightforward. It's actually pretty easy. And then you just duplicate the process. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Making money is easy. And so you can you can demystify it by struggling and saving up your own money and maybe getting there in two years, three years, or you can do it today with a partnership. Right, right. You said demystify it. Like once you got into it, would you say you were surprised at how much of it was just simply a numbers game? Like, um, like how much? You, how much would you say is really is just numbers? Um, honestly, I, I would say that it is all numbers, and I've mentioned this before because like everything has a dollar amount. So mm-hmm. for example, tenant calls and they're like, hey, there's a, a, an electrical problem. I have that problem this week, an electrical problem. It's like, okay, well, how much does it cost? It costs 400 bucks. We pay the 400 bucks and we go on about our business. But most people will say, oh my God, electrical. I don't know anything about electrical. What am I going to do? This is a crisis. And so they'll make a $400 problem seem like it's a $2,000 problem or an end of the world problem. <laughs> That's I mean, what most people do. It's like, oh man, the, the world is falling and the sky is falling. What are we going to do? And then you start to just take your emotion out of it and run it like a business. Take your emotion out of everything. It's just, it's numbers. So I could, I could agree with that statement. Well, it's funny with, with that example you just gave, an electrical problem that costs $400 is, if you start thinking, well, I don't know anything about electrical, you don't need to know anything about electrical problems. You just need to have $400. Mm-hmm. Make it go away. Exactly. That And that that's why it's a numbers thing is you don't got to know nothing. You just got to make sure you got the money to find the person who knows something. So as a boss, it's not your job. Even, even vending machines, like it's not my job. I was thinking about this. I was like, every business that I buy should have the personnel expense factored in. It shouldn't have like, this is the profit. Like, no, this is your profit. Less your people that are going to run your business. That's a business. Mm-hmm. If I got to show up, it's not a business. If I got to do these things, it's not a business. And so if it's only makes sense, if I do the work, it's not a business. <laughs> we got to get rid of that. Right, right, right. Get yourself out the way. Now, let's get into these tweets. So this one, I think this one's really interesting. This is a strong one. We're going to start off with this one. You said amateurs make money on the front end. Professionals make money on the back end. Man, this tweet is something I took from, uh, I was listening to a podcast today. So it's not going to be one of those that I can really expand on, um, except that it kind of speaks to a strategy that I've been finding to be true. And sometimes it's difficult to even know it's a strategy until somebody else confirms it. But I've found that we do a lot of advertising, but sometimes that advertising isn't a direct sell. Although I always try to go for the sale whenever I run an ad. I never want to just throw something out there without asking for the sale. Uh, but what you find is when you start doing promotion and running the ads, it doesn't just get you money. It also grows your following. And so sometimes I do things that aren't even for a, a sale. It's just so people know who I am and so they can find me and so they can follow me, knowing that eventually I'm going to sell them. And so I've had the most success when I run a lot of ads. And then I close on the Friday sale. So people will come into the fold. They'll see what we're doing. They'll click follow and they'll go into the thing and they'll see what the price is. Like, oh, it's $97. Oh, it's $140. And then you hit them with the Friday sale and it's like, boom, you got them. You set the hook. And you start reeling them in. <laughs> but that's why running the ads during the week is so important because you're casting your net. You're bringing more people into your fold and they might not buy that day. Usually they do. Um, but everybody's not going to buy that day. And usually the way we promote and advertise, we have access to so many people that it's just a, it's a good strategy because I mean, then you're just giving out value. And so it's kind of like the jab, 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 right hook principles. Mm -hmm. You got to give, 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 do, 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 create content, create helpful tips and tricks, and then you close. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. (laughs) Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yes, sir. Yeah, Get Laced is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. 
underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. Right, you gotta, you gotta just bring people into your orbit, into your universe. Get them in the, get them in the, the orbit first, and then proximity brings sales. I guess in a way. I'm, but I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you 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 talked about that because the other day on let's say on the last episode when I was talking about my my daughter started a business, so I tweeted about it after talking to you, and you retweeted it. Thank you. And it got a bunch of impressions, and it got maybe like 30, 30 people clicked on the link. Twenty nine. I took. I texted my daughter. It was like late at night. She was probably asleep. I said, "Expect a bunch of sales, a bunch of orders within the next twenty four hours." And then she got like two. And I was mad, like, man, all these people clicked on this thing. And like one or two people bought. <laughs> I was like, man. But now hopefully then they're in the orbit and you just gotta keep pushing and promoting. Right. And we were talking to to Nia, the lot guy, and she was saying, like, you gotta always be hitting it. So Raphael, you gotta not even look at it as terms of like impressions and all this stuff. I already look at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll post like when you post a video, it'll show how many times they viewed it. Right. And the times that they viewed it compared to how many likes and retweets you get is crazy. You get like a thousand views and like four likes. Right. So um, I think you guys need to continue to promote it every day. You need, I might, might need to set up some autos and get it flowing, man. You might need some affiliates and, and growing it and scaling it. You know, who's gonna, you never know who's going to retweet it. So it's like if you, if you do that, maybe your conversion rate will increase. But yeah, don't be, don't be. I mean, two sales out of that, I think it's dope. Actually, I think it was one sale, but anyway. Off of one tweet, though? Right. I, I got to put it into perspective. People got to, they don't even know that that's what you do. So it's like when people start looking to you as that person, your conversion rate will go up. And you'll also get more retweets from other people. You start figuring out different creative ways to create engaging content, uh, different creative ways to present what you're selling, and then your conversion rate will go up. But you can't just, you can't, you don't just, we didn't get here. I love saying that. I didn't get here doing stuff once. Right. I got here tweeting it and tweeting it and tweeting it. And I really got here when I stopped giving a fuck. Like I used to, I really used to hold back. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, like I used to hold back. I was like, oh man, I don't want Aisha Seldon or all these people to see me out of promoting my stuff. They work at these established firms and I'm over here creating tight capital. It's new. It's not centuries old. And then I'm like, I had a son. And when I had a son, I got clarity and I realized that nothing else matters but him. The only person I need to like me in this world is him. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I went in. And in order to be successful in sales, I was watching a podcast. It was like, you kind of have to be annoying. You got to be willing to be annoying. You got to be willing to to really sell people because some people want to be sold. Some people want to be convinced. And he was giving an example, like when they're a cheesecake factory, he was like, they wanted the cheesecake, but they wanted me to convince them that they wanted the cheesecake because they know it's not healthy. They know it's not good <laughs> for them. But if you can sell it, like people sometimes want to be sold. Right. And social media is great. You don't have to directly target people. You can just put it out there and put it out there and put it out there. I'm actually not good at going after people, but I am good at putting myself out there and letting people come to me. Mm. I mean, yeah, some people, some people actually get annoyed when you don't sell to them, man. Like, you had a product. I remember there was a Zig Ziglar story, and he was saying he went to go to this guy's house to sell him these pots and pans or what have you. And he got to the guy's house, and it was small. And it was like, this is like, this guy had to save up for a while to get these pots and stuff. And he walked away. He's like, you know what? This guy don't have much. Let me just not try to take his last and just walked away. And then he ran into the guy's sister and the, and the, the lady was like, yo, what happened to me? You and my brother. I said, what do you mean? She's like, man, that guy was ready to buy your stuff and you didn't sell it to him. He was like, that, that stuff could have helped him, him and his family cook the food faster, more nutritious and all these things. And you came to this house and you didn't sell it to him. And he, he was mad. He said, <laughs> and he said, oh man, well, I'll go back, man. I'll go, I'll go back now, man. She said, nah, man, he don't trust you no more. You could forget it. He said, he learned from that, from that day. If you got something that's going to benefit somebody, it's your duty to sell it to them. So always keep that in mind. If you got something that's going to help somebody, it is your duty to sell it to them. So on to the next tweet, Charles, you said you were talking about, you were thinking about converting to cash for a minute and just sitting, sitting there. You had a tweet also, you said wealthy people don't spend money, they park it. Mm-hmm. 
So I was thinking about getting another watch and I was like, you know, it's not really spending money. It's just like putting it over here. Okay. And then I started realizing like the same thing is true with cars. Like all these people who like Manny Koshman, for example, he buys a lot of really, really rare cars. He never buys like the little cliche roll, roll it off the, the lot Huracan or whatever. He buys the, the Hermes Bugatti. Or he buys the, um, I forgot what else. I think he has two Hermes. He mostly buys like a lot of Hermes things, but they're like custom-made, one of ones, all carbon. And the reason why he does that is so they retain their value. And they actually would probably re- appreciate in value because they're rare. Mm-hmm. And so even though it looks like he's spending money, he's actually just parking money. Even though he has these expensive watches and all these things, it looks like he's letting money go. But really it's like, I got this cash. I might as well put it in something. And oh yeah, I get to enjoy it while I'm at it. So it's kind of like real estate. And this is why like Jewish people, the way that they even buy liabilities is strategic. And so they'll have a big house and not a big car. They're like, I'm not buying a big ass car because cars depreciate in value. I'd rather put my money into uh, something that's going to retain its value. Something that worst case scenario, I can sell it. Hmm. If if, uh, somebody pops up and they want to take me in, I can sell this jewelry. I can sell this necklace. I can sell this watch. I can sell this ring. So things that can be converted into cash and things that don't depreciate into zero. Gold is always going to be worth something. Diamonds are always going to be worth something, but your sneakers might not be worth something unless you don't wear them at all. So um, yeah, that's pretty much the the thought there. Sounds a little bit like you just want to watch a new watch, but Um, (laughs) so when I bought my Panerize, mm-hmm. I bought one and I was like, damn, I want another one. Mm-hmm. And so part of me is like, you know, I think once I get one more, I'll be content. Um, so I kind of want another one just because it'll round it out and it won't feel so like unique. So we'll see. What do you what we'll do you what are you wearing right now? Is that the Shinola or that is that one the Panerize? Yeah, it's a Shinola. Cool, cool. Straight it's up. The automatic, it's the automatic Shinola. They have um, they have the regular one, the Runwell. And then they have the automatic run well, which costs twice as much as the regular run well. But I like it. I like it because it's automatic. And so the tick is different. It's oh, so man. weird when I put on like when I put on the um, the other Shinolas and there's a battery in them. I was kind of mad. I was like, I don't want no battery in my watch. Who do you think I am? Battery man. <laughs> so, yeah. But that reminds me kind of of um, Master P like way back in the day. I think it was when he was doing MTV Cribs. Master P said. No, it wasn't MTV Cribs. It was some kind of interview or something. It's on YouTube somewhere. Old one. He said, man, I would never go broke. He said, I got too much stuff to go broke. If I go, he's like, if I, if things are bad, I can sell. I'm selling everything. I got too many houses and too many cars to go broke. I'm I'm not, I'm not too, I don't have too much, you know, so much pride that I won't sell all this stuff. The houses, the yeah. cars, the watches, it all got to go if I'm broke, man. I got too much stuff to be broke. Mm-hmm. Now... You said if you stay around it long enough, you become it. Yeah. Um, I, I've i always talked about environment mattering. And I was listening to the Neo podcast with uh, David Shand. It's a very good podcast. And he was talking about how environment is so important. He was like, environment is probably the most important thing. Environment shapes everything. What you listen to, who you hang around. He was saying that if you hang around it long enough, you'll become it. And so the same thing, like I'm doing a deal where I'm going to be a, a private lender on a flip in Chicago. And so all the stuff that I watched Al do, I'm doing. All the stuff that I watched Cynthia Hawkins do, I'm doing. Because I just got around these great people for the purpose of getting getting around them and getting away from employees. And and it became a part of me. And so if if you aspire to great things, get around those great things. Don't just admire it from afar. And they also said that the opposite is true. If you hang around thugs and, and gang members and drug dealers, guess what you're going to become a, a thug and a gang member and a drug dealer. And that's why I think the most important thing that young men can do is get the right friends. Just get around people to do the right mm-hmm. stuff because what becomes the norm becomes comfortable. So if you're around a bunch of thugs and they're out there trying to, and you're out there trying to study for the SATs, you're going to have a hard time trying to do that. But if you're around a bunch of students, it's second nature. That's what they do for fun. They're like, yeah, it's Friday night. Let's go study. I can't wait. I love this <laughs> stuff. So just get around that stuff. I think that's a life hack that hopefully more people would embrace is, is just getting around the right places and letting that take you to where you want to go. Environment is key, man. Opens up your eyes to certain things. 
And you just, you got to use the influence against yourself in the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, get around good stuff and let it influence you, man, subconsciously. And, just, and make stuff easier for yourself. It's easier to find motivation when you're around abundance. It's like, man, you're around the stuff that you want to have. Makes it easier to get up in the morning. Get up and go get it. So you're talking about you're doing a, a deal in Chicago where you're the lender. You also had a tweet where you said, y'all respect the one who got the loan. I respect the lender. I was, um, so essentially the way this deal works is I put up $80,000 to go on a flip mm. and we split the exit and the exit should be about a hundred grand. It's 37, 30, 70 split. And I'll essentially make $30,000 and I'll get all my money back. And I was like, that's crazy. Because if I were to put that same 80 into rental properties, I wouldn't make $30,000 in a year. And that whole time, I would have to deal with tenants, toilets, dumbass phone calls. And the 80 just wouldn't go as far. But I can put that 80 and make a bunch of money. And I realized like the true power, the true game is being the lender. I'd rather be the lender on deals and I can do a bunch of those. I do two of those a year, three of those a year with the same cash. Yeah. Put the 80 up, get it back. Put the 80 up, get it back. Put the 80 up, get it back. I made $120,000 and all I did was lend some money out. That's dope to me. That's, that's the kind of life I'm living. I don't got no issues, Raphael. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I secure it against the property. And so now I have a lien against that property. We're buying the property. I put a lien for $80,000. Nobody can sell that property without going through me. Worst case scenario, I foreclose on it and I own a property and now I got to sell it. Worst case scenario, I sell it at a discount and I might lose a little bit of money. That's worst, worst case scenario. But best case scenario, I just foreclose on it. Or you take over the project, you finish it and you sell it. And so there's a lot of flexibility when it comes to being the lender. And that's why most people want to be the lender. And I don't like doing things where there's a lot of competition. So if everybody's doing rental properties, not a lot of them have $100,000 to lend out. So I'd rather operate in that space and grow in that space and become a boss in that space than be out there trying to compete with wholesalers and compete with a bunch of people who are trying to do no money deals and do that kind of stuff. I just don't, I don't want competition because I found that's another one of the principles that I've realized. Like you don't get rich competing. You get rich with a, with a monopoly. You get rich when the people have to go through you. You become a bottleneck. And so that's my strategy is to become the bottleneck. Also helping people. Somebody sent me a message today and she was like, hey, I have a vending machine route. It's $11,000. I only have seven. I'm trying to see if they'll sell or finance. So I was like, well, I'll give you four and we'll just split it somehow. I was like, I just want to be the lender. I want to be in a bunch of, because then people, people bring stuff to you. When you're the lender, you don't got to look for deals. People bring deals to you. And they're good deals because the property that we're looking at is we're buying it for 80, but it's really worth 140. So worst case scenario, I got to foreclose. Now I got a property worth 140. So I'm going to still make my money, Raphael. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I, I'm realizing that a lot of us don't have the financial wisdom to even have the cash to be a lender. And so I want to be that guy. I want to be the dude that most people can't become because that means I can make a lot of money. That's, I'm just, I, my mindset is way different now. My mindset is on get an M, <laughs> get more M's. My mindset is not on get a thousand a month. Mm. I see a thousand dollar deal a month. I'm like, I'd rather hold on to my cash. I'd rather hold on to $30,000 than give you $30,000 for the opportunity to make a thousand dollars a month. A thousand dollars a month. That is, I can't even pay my overhead with thousand dollars a month. It doesn't even make any sense. Why would I, why would I lower myself? That doesn't make any sense. $30,000 pays my rent for a year and a half, whatever that looks like. And so at least I know my business is secure for the next year and a half. Right. But if I put that same 30 into that, I can't even pay my bills. It doesn't make any sense. It's backwards. I'd rather hold on to it. Mm. And nothing makes money quite like money. Right. Like It's the simplest. It's kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the simplest business model there is. You yeah. give somebody money, you get money back. You get your money yeah. back with friends, with interest. And the, the crazy part about it is, just seeing what the stock market will do. So it's like you have some money invested and you can make a year's worth of salary just off of some investments or not a year worth of salary, but like a, a week's or a month worth of salary just off of some investments. I was like, that's crazy. All I did was sit money over here and it just made more money. Yeah, you had to have the intelligence to find the right investments, but still like that's just crazy. Buying stock is kind of like lending money, lending money to a company and you, you get dividends on it, you know, in one way or in some form or fashion. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, 
Trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. Now, you alluded to this a few minutes ago. You said it a couple of times already in different ways. But you had a tweet says that says, competition kills communities. Um, I want to say that that tweet was on top of somebody else's tweet. What was that? What did that tweet say? Um, hey, I don't remember. Uh, I forgot what he said. I think, was that the one the guy might have been saying? Like, if, he, if your man's got a barbershop, don't... No, it wasn't that one. No, 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 no. Forget what it was. I forget what. Essentially, essentially, I just we've talked about this on this show all the time, mm-hmm. but it's it's very difficult for us all to win if we're trying to take money out of somebody else's pocket. And when you open up a competing business, that's what you're trying to do. You are saying like, hey, there's a pool of customers. There's a, a million customers. And now that one dude doesn't have access to a million. He has access to whatever it looks like when you guys finish fighting it to the death. <laughs> But you are you're ruining his business. Whatever his business could have been, you ruined it. Um, yeah. I don't know any successful businesses that compete. Um, Apple, they were the first of their kind, and now everybody's following after them. Um, Google, well, not Google, Tesla was really the first of its kind. But they kind of invited competition, not so much competition, but they invited people into that market so that they could actually kind of create that space of electric electronic cars. But as African-American people, we don't get to exist how everybody exists. And so I hear advice and I like I was having this conversation with uh, an attorney in the office and we were talking about politics and he's liberal and he's he's like a Asian dude. He's liberal and I'm African-American and, of course, I'm conservative. And so we're going back and forth. And I was like, I hear what you're saying, but my policies are for African-American people, not for minorities. Hmm. Minorities don't have the same fight as black people. So we got to move different. And yeah, yeah, I don't got nothing else to say about that. Got to move different. Competition kills community. Collaboration builds community on the flip side. Exactly. I mean, because exactly. you got to think about it. If you got a business and I try to copy your business, like exactly, now I'm your competition. And it's kind of hard to be friends because even if you don't dislike the person, once they do that, it's kind of like, how can like how can I be friends with you now? Like it's kind of hard to just right. be chill. It's like this guy's deliberately trying to take food out of my mouth. Like when you when you know that the person just did it just to compete with you, it's like, man, we can't be cool now. But mm-hmm. and, and that's why also you want to start looking at things that have a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning of when you're starting your business. You're going to do things that are kind of easy to get into because you need it to be easy to get into. And then you start doing things that are difficult to get into. Um, and that protects you and that creates that moat. And so that's kind of my thought process is now. It's like, it's not enough to be successful. You got to be successful and protected because you can be successful and you can lose it. I don't want to be successful and lose it. I want to be successful, period. So I got to do things that everybody can't do. Oh, so I found the tweet. Uh, you 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 said that in response to Dante's Akram. Shout out to Notorious T.E.Z. from back our special guest back in episode fifty three. That's our number one listen to episode so far. So Dante said, if everything was in a competition in Cleveland, more people would be successful and less people would be dying so frequently. Right, and that's just a real life example of what goes on. Um, that's why I tweeted that because. People think that what I say is just theoretical, like, no, it actually is like real life application. You just might not be seeing it because you're not keen to it. And so that's why I posted it, because people, they don't they they see it. And honestly, I think maybe the reason why the investment club kind of dried up is like everybody had an investment club. Then not everybody's like, well, I got an investment club, dude. This is my investment club, man. It's nice. And so I was like, well, let me just get on out of this whole investment club space. It was fun while it lasted. But if if I don't have a monopoly, there's really no fun for me. I want to dominate the space. I want to be the plate, the people that they look to for that. Um, and I just, I honestly, sometimes I, I, I wonder why people do it. But I think a lot of it is like folks broke. Hmm. And so they're like, right. I don't know. I would, I would rather 
steal this person's idea that's successful mm-hmm. and and copy it because I don't want to be broke no more. So they're making money over here and they're successful and I want to be successful. And my brokenness outweighs them liking me, of course. So I'm going to just roll with this because a lot of people are like, I got an options course. I got a this. I got a that. And it can be frustrating because to me, I'm like, man, like I, I wouldn't do that to somebody. I'm not like when we created a podcast, it was the first of its kind. There was no podcast like what I was doing when I started it. Um, and now it's like our spins are kind of down because it's like, fuck Charles. We just going over here. So we're figuring out different ways to make it better and improve it and grow it. But that's why, I mean, me, when you start seeing that your ideas can pan out, because sometimes you just want to see that it's an idea that makes sense. And so now I'm just like, okay, I got to be more creative. I got to be, I have to do things that everybody can't do. I got to maneuver in a way that is next level. So if I got to spend the money to get there to protect what I'm building, then I got to spend the money. Um, And that's what I'll do. But um, you got to get a moat. You need a moat. A business that does not have a moat. It's a business that is going to soon die. I think we should define moat for the people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Google this. It's something yeah. that Warren Buffett looks for when he looks for any business. He wants it to have a moat. Well, so first, a, moat okay. a moat is a business's ability to maintain competitive advantages over its competitors in order to protect its long-term profits and market share from competing firms. Now, real quick, let me just say, like when you hear the word moat, you got to think of, you got to visualize it. Back in the day, in medieval times, when they had the castles and they had a moat that was just, they dug a big, huge trench around the castle and put water in it so people couldn't just walk into the city and, and take it or conquer it. You know, it protected the city. And that's that's the idea. You got to, your business is the castle and you got to have the moat around it. That water protects you from. And you were talking about um, people want to copy something they see as successful. I mean, that's that kind of makes sense, too, because it's like if you broke, like you said, somebody's broke, they need some money and they really actually do need somebody. They don't, they don't just want money. They need money. It's like I don't have the time to be taking chances on, on stuff that might not work. So they're thinking he's making money with that. That works. Obviously, that's a good idea. I'm going to do it, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then comes the competition. That's why you see uh, with with drugs, that's why violence comes with drugs. People made a lot of fast money in the 80s. Everybody wants to make money too. They didn't think mm-hmm. they could become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. So drugs with the fast money, crack with the fast money. He's doing that. He's he, he's getting the cars, the girls. I'm going to do it too. So then comes the competition and here comes the violence. But imagine, I'm not advocating for this, but imagine if somebody said, man, these dudes making thousands a day in these streets selling these drugs suppose i sold bottles to them or the bags rubber bands suppose they were supplying the drug dealers with the supplies that they needed to to bag up or do whatever imagine how much money people would be making then and they wouldn't have to kill each other for the corner not that i'm advocating that but something to think about we got to build complementary businesses and think vertically. We got to supply the people with the supplies to make the stuff, yep. not just go make the stuff. Everybody's selling the same stuff. Yep. You know, man, I don't know, man. I just be out here. This is why it's so funny because in business, a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm in business is safer than entrepreneurship, but sometimes it's, it's still not safer than entrepreneurship because you never know who's coming for your spot. And so you still got to protect yourself. And that's why you got to diversify your streams of income, when you do get money, you got to put it to work um, because I treat every dollar like I, I tell people like, yeah, I got money. But I'm like, I treat I treat every day like I got to get it. If I'm not getting no money at all times, I feel broke. And and yeah, so I just that's that's kind of where I am. I've, I've been in and every thought like that, but you're not safe. You're never safe. And I think that's the thing is you have to you have to know that you're never really safe. Entrepreneurship isn't it still isn't safe, but you can do things to make it safer. It's not too much you can do to make your job safe because it's not under your control. And that's the problem. It's not even so much the the money as much as it's the control because you can be an entrepreneur and make $50,000, $60,000 a year. But at least now you determine when you work, where you work from and all that stuff. And you can put people on and you can put the people that you want to put on. You know what I'm saying? But you had a tweet saying, do today what others won't so you can have tomorrow what others can't. Um, I might have to pass on that one. All right. Okay. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of straightforward. That's cool. I mean, but... 
It's self-explanatory. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partnerwithmillie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. You also said it's easy to criticize. It's hard to promote and raise capital. Man. So there's a brother that we all know. I don't think I'm going to name him because people who listen to this show know him. Hmm. And um, he was being very openly critical of Dr. Umar Johnson. And I have a problem with that. Not only do I have a problem with that, I have a problem with calling certain things a scam because there are systems that are put in place to make things difficult for us. And so that isn't just in the criminal justice system. That's also in the business world. That's also in the financing world. That's also in the real estate world. And so what frustrates me is that we'll notice that it exists when it comes to like criminal justice, but then we want to hold this standard of perfection up to us when we're in business or when we're trying to to start a school or we're trying to start all these different things. We're trying to do a real estate project. And so the world is... It's like slided away from us. Like they make it difficult. They're not giving us the loans we could probably be getting. We're not getting the VC funding we could probably be getting. And so we have to do things that are unconventional. So if your standard of how things should be done is based on what white people are doing, then everything that black people are doing is going to look like it's unethical. It's a scam. It's this, it's that. And so it really speaks to the ignorance of people. And they try to be intelligent through their ignorance. And so my thing is this, I don't want to hear no criticism. If you are so smart, if you have all the answers, then you build it, you build it, you build it better. You don't get to sit on the sidelines and poke holes in what somebody is doing because that's easy. Anybody can be a critic. The book said that any fool can criticize, condemn and complain. And most fools do. If you are sitting on the sidelines and you're criticizing and condemning and poking holes in somebody's plan, you are a fool. Because if you were really that bright, you would actually be building it. And so they say, oh man, I used to work at XYZ white firm and we didn't do it that way. Well, genius, he probably just walked into the bank and said, give me a loan for this school. But when you put out a school that's called the Frederick De- uh, Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy for Black Boys, do you think you're just going to get a loan? No. So you have to do it that way. I did that that way. I was like, they're not going to give me money to invest in Detroit. They're not going to give me money to invest in these things. So what am I going to do? Am I going to sit back there and be like, oh, I guess they're going to let me invest here. I guess I just won't do shit. No. People who aren't victims, people who are solution oriented, find a way where there is none. Either make it happen or you make it happen. But we're not over here like because that's the thing is the, the critics going to be like, well, I mean, I would. But they ain't giving us loans and they ain't doing this and they ain't doing that. Like, so you're better by doing nothing and letting the wall stop you than the person who's actually building. He's going to build it and he's going to make it happen because the same thing happened with Tulsa Real Estate Fund. At first, the criticism was they couldn't build it. At first, the criticism was that we don't have no money. We can't raise no money. Then he raised the money. And now they changed it up and they're like, oh, he didn't pay the dividend. Now they changed it up. It's like, oh, he didn't build the building. Like he's been doing it all. The thing is, is we can do everything, Raphael. Mm -hmm. We can do it all. Words are easy. Tweets are easy. Little fucking Instagram videos, that's easy. You went on Canva, you typed it up, you caught it a scam, you did it in 10 minutes. But raising millions upon millions of dollars to do something that's never been done is hard. And so I don't want anybody over here criticizing folks doing hard stuff mm-hmm. and taking the easy way out. Keep your mouth shut. If you don't have anything to progress it, shut the fuck up. Because I say the same thing is true when it comes to black business. People were super critical of black business. People are super critical of the Atri Alliance girl. Oh, how are you going to get this store? How are you going to sell these do? We have a, a tendency to just be our own worst enemy. And this is why I always tell people that, like, for the most part, I don't be fucking with folks, man. Y'all see me online. If it was not for the Internet, y'all would not see me. I don't exist in these streets. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't live in the streets. I don't exist in the streets. I don't be there. You guys see me because I'm on the Internet. That's it. And the reason being is because it's not a very positive and uplifting community. If it was, I'd be all for it. But it's not. It doesn't exist. It's too much of that shit. 
we are our own worst enemy. And that's just where I am. I just, I'm tired of seeing, I'm tired of people calling stuff scams. I'm tired of people making videos and tearing stuff down. It's like, bro, like, shut the fuck up, man. They did the same thing to Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Mm -hmm. They created all these videos. They hyped it up. Now the SEC, FBI investigated them off of just pure allegations. Turns out nothing was wrong. Right. So it's like, we just have this, this eye of skepticism and and we question our own so hard that we can't make any progress. Let people actually try. That's it. Let them try. We're not even letting us try. We're just like, no, boy, it's not possible. Reparations are nothing. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at partnerwithmillie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. It's like you said, you said in another tweet, another tweet, you said we probably have more opposition, not less, but we chose to build in spite of, and all we get is criticism from the sidelines. Emphasis on the sidelines. It's not even like, the thing is, is if, if you build you might help him see what he should be doing. He's like, oh man, okay, I could do this a little bit better. Okay, maybe I could talk to the person they're working with. Okay, maybe we could partner up, but we don't do that. We just sit here and we say, that can't work. That's impossible, blah, blah, blah. And nothing progresses because of that. Like nobody's better off because you sat on the sidelines and criticized what somebody else was trying to build. Nobody's better off for that. And it's unfortunate, but it's people who were arguably respectable people. Like I thought I respected them as a person, and I don't know. I had to mute them on both profiles. Like I'm tired of seeing it. I just, I don't, it, it, it does, it doesn't help us, man. We know we need these schools. We know we need these things. And then we go out there and we build them and they're just like, no. One of the things that I, I, I learned in working with the black business in, in Watts is her business ain't perfect, man. It's in a little tiny little shack. Mm-hmm. It's not the most glamorous and cleaned up thing. And they do millions. So I learned from that that I don't got to be perfect to make millions. But the employee thinks I do. The employee who exists in this space where his boss got funding from his dad and his dad's dad. And so they have the money to invest in all those resources. He thinks that success follows perfection. My mom thinks success follows perfection. And so she's over here like, well, Charles, you got to we got to tighten this up. We got to do it this way. And yeah, she's helping me get some stuff cleaned up. But I'm like, success in the beginning looks messy. We're trying a bunch of stuff. We don't really know what's going to work. And so we're trying this, we're trying this, we're trying this, we're trying this. And so a lot of employees think success is linear. They think it's just a straight line. You open the LLC, you run an ad, you get sales, you fill the sales, and then you just recycle. Like, no, some products sell better than other products. Some products don't sell at all. You're just trying. It's a constant trying and fail. You never know what's going to hit. And then when you find something that hits, you set the hook. It's like fishing. You cast out a bunch of different bait and you find out what it's going to hit. And so success is messy, but we see messy and we're like, oh, that's unprofessional. Oh, that's not right. Like, no, this is some new stuff that they're, they're they're creating. So please let us at least fail. Let us try to fail. You're not even letting us even fail. You're just like, oh, if you fail, you're a failure. It, it's just, it's, it's counterproductive, man. It doesn't help anybody with the mentalities that we have. Doesn't help, man. Stop tearing your brother and sisters down, man. There's nothing for the community, but now- you had, I think this is going to be the last tweet. You said, we don't know anything about Africa, but we know everything about slavery. I was um, talking to this Nigerian girl that I work with, and it was her last day today. And she's like really heavy into what's going on in Nigeria um, in regards to SARS, um, which is like the anti-robbery uh, institution in Nigeria. And apparently they're like engaging in pr- police brutality. Um, and she broke it down to me. She's like, okay, so you have what's called the Yahoo boys who basically are like these people who were like fraudsters. And so they make their money, they engage in fraud and they're really flashy with their money. And so the Nigerian government implemented these people to kind of crack down on that. The problem is now they're kind of engaged in like profiling. And so they'll see you. And if you look flashy, they just automatically assume that you are a fraudster. You're engaged in fraud. And so they were kind of overstepping their bounds and they were just like, no, we don't, we should, we don't deserve this. But like the extent of what she broke down, I was like, man, like, it's crazy. And then it's like, it's real 
people that look just like us that are over there in a whole different country, like going through the same kind of issues that we go through. And then she was like breaking it down to me. They have their own president. They have their own military. All these things that you legit. I had no idea it existed. I didn't know it was civilized. There's wealth over there. There's abundance over there. There's an economy over there. All this stuff. And I also, because sometimes it's bits and pieces of things that I'm thinking about to kind of go into my tweets. But I also had mentioned that somebody was showing that um, that one new TV show with Journey Smollett. It's a very attractive young lady. Journey Smollett is. Um, I remember when she was younger. She always has like that weird voice when she's like trying to be serious. But anyway, um, it's like I was watching it and it was it was like sci-fi, but it was also like based in the 1960s. And I was like, I don't want to watch movies or TV shows like this. Please stop giving us the same old slavery narrative. Please stop giving us the old 1960s movies. Please stop giving us. Oh, I don't want to see it anymore. And then I, I was like, man, there are so many other stories that. They could be telling us, but all we get is slavery stories. That's all because in actuality, it's not there to empower us. It's there to continue to brainwash us and manipulate us, manipulate us and focus on the worst of, the, of our history instead of the best of our history, because then it keeps us in slavery, just sitting there existing. I'm pretty sure it's on purpose. They're not creating empowering content. They empower the people they want to empower. They make them superheroes. They make them businessmen. They make them all these great things. And then we continue to get the same old stuff, the same old stuff. And so there's more to, and I think a part of this came from the interview that I had with the, the Black History 365 guys, is that there's more to our history than, than, um, than, than slavery. Much, much more. Granted, slavery was a long period in time, but like the time that we weren't slave is actually longer. <laughs> so I was like, why don't we share that? Why don't we, why don't we learn about that? Why don't we learn about the kings? Why don't we learn about the empires they built? Because in actuality, they don't really want an empowered African-American community in America. They like the way things are. They like people being defeated. They like people being helpless. They like people defending on Republic or Democrats. They, it just, it, it makes them feel good. When people, are, when people are dependent on, they feel better. But I don't really care how they feel. I want us to be empowered. And so that's why we create this content. That's why we share the things that we share on the Instagram, which you can see. The more Black success stories people see, the more Black successful people we get. And so if we could do the same thing on the, the grand scale where we, we I, I'm, I'm of the, the mindset, don't even talk about slavery. Like, don't even you don't you don't if you got raped, you wouldn't constantly watch a video of you being raped. If you got like your ass whooped, you wouldn't constantly watch a movie of you getting your ass whooped. Like, what do you think if a woman got raped and they just made a movie about her getting raped? Do you think she'd ever get over her rape? No, she just continued to dwell on what he did to her, how bad he was to her how she was defeated, how she's made to feel helpless, and she'll never create and become what she could have been. And that's what happens when we watch these slavery movies over and over again. All we do is talk about we deserve reparations because of slavery. In my household, that wasn't a thing. In my household, it's because I'm Black wasn't a thing. I didn't realize that until I got out into the world. People started saying it. I got on Twitter and people were like, we deserve reparations because of slavery. I was like, bro, I thought the win was not being a slave. That was the win, right? Like you, the goal was to end slavery. You ended slavery. Now make the most of what you have. Go out there and kill it. Go out there and hustle. Go out there and work. Go out there and build something. Like that's the win. Now they're like, okay, well now we're out of slavery, but but now we we need something else because we were slaves. I'm like, just just get after it. I just it was never used in my household. Everybody in my family has hustled and progressed through whatever they've been given. It's never been excuses and good reasons. And that's why I'm here today. And that's why we're going to continue to push. And that's just where I am. Whew. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Take us out, Raphael. So shout out to shout out to all the listeners, man. We appreciate you tuning in each and every episode. We see y'all on Twitter saying, man, we need a new episode. We need a new drop of tweet talk. We appreciate each and every one of you guys listening. We appreciate you listening and sharing with others and subscribing and leaving reviews. Leave a five-star review, please. We appreciate what you're doing for your family and your community because I know mostly the people listening to this podcast are builders. And we appreciate you. We see you, man. We see what you're doing. And even if you don't see you, we still appreciate for doing you for doing what you're doing. Keep pushing, keep pushing. You want to shout out the friends of the show, 
to the show and our advertisers. Every episode is brought to you by Todd Capital. You get that financial education for affordable prices, teaching people how to trade options, how to invest in stocks, not just trading options, but value investing. We also have the views bags. Also have the REIT money course. Now you got the um, the introduction to real estate course with Andre Haynes, Mr. Renaissance himself. Check out ToddCapital.co or check out the links in the show notes. Also shout out to Pure Body Co. We get your cocoa souffle body butter at shoppurebodyco.com. Shout out to the other advertisers, investorsateam.com home of the official merch of Generational Wealth and the popular You Can't Fire Me the Boss t-shirt. Also, get lace laces. Get your Todd Capital laces, man. Rep Todd Cap. Todd Capital is an army. Those premium kicks need premium laces. And get your premium laces at getlacelaces.com. We want to leave you with one last thought from Muhammad Ali, who said, to become a champion, you must believe you're the best. If you're not, pretend you are. So be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me, Raphael, on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also the, the, the company page at Todd.Capital and the nonprofit page at Blessed Black Man on Instagram. But episode 72 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Yes, sir. What's good, Tweet Talk Podcast listener? This is Donald DeVoice, the official editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast. And so I want to come to you to tell you I'm doing a 50% off promo. That's right. I'm slashing the prices 50% off. Donald, why would you do that? Well, it's because doggone it, it's quarter four. And I know some of y'all are ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum. And so I'm here to help you. So head on over to DonaldDeVoice.com. Go over to the contact tab. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at Donald the voice mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing video editing or voice over editing needs that's all i gotta say 50 percent off let's get it let's go have a good rest of the day keep building baby keep building that's what it is